Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. Reminded, if you guys use code TRIPLE at checkout with Underdog Fantasy and you're making your first time deposit, use code TRIPLE and it will double or match your first deposit up to $100. Again, use code TRIPLE for Underdog Fantasy. And if you guys don't know what best ball is, check out our Underdog drafts that go out on the YouTube channel every single Saturday and you can get a taste of just how fun Underdog Fantasy can be. Tonight, we are closing our position previews and... I couldn't think of a better way than to do that with our special guest tonight. But before we get to him, the rest of the crew, you guys know, Marty Party, Doc, and Little Cheesecake. Marty Party, we just did a three-man draft on Underdog. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that good of a feeling about a stack team. Uh, do you think we have it all? Because I feel like we uh, we have Fernando Tatis, we have Jacob DeGrom. Uh, we, I think we just, we're, we're, we're first place, right? I think so, but what to me was the most impressive is that Doc found a way to hate almost every one of our picks in a three-team draft. <laughs> we started out so strong, and then David's like, yeah, let's do high upside. Let's take innings limit to Grom. Let's take suspended Tatis in a three-person league. Like, Yeah, but the, you're at worst, you're in third place, and you shoot for first place. There's no, We're not settling for second. We're either first or last in that league. Or definitely last. Little Cheesecake got his new decor in the background, his framed jersey now, uh, building up his shrine behind him. Uh, is that one of many coming, or is that going to be the one and only thing you're hanging up? Um, I have a bunch of baseball books, so I'm going to eventually get a bookcase and look all smart and stuff. But uh, but this is the start of it. I like it. You're better than me and Marty. <laughs> we just have blank white walls. Doc doesn't have much either. Uh, but our guest probably has the best decor of it all if you're watching on the YouTube channel. We welcome in a man that's after my own heart as we both share the passionate career of being a PE teacher. But that's where the similarities end because he's much smarter than I am. He's also a closer expert for The Athletic where he's helped you win all your fantasy leagues with his top-notch relief pitcher knowledge and if you want to check out all his great relief pitching work, you guys can check out Reliever Recon, which might be one of the, I will say, most popular names of a Patreon out in the fantasy baseball space. I think any fantasy baseball analyst knows what Reliever Recon is. It's an incredible resource, and you guys need to make sure you check that out. It is the one and only Greg Jewett. How's it going, man? Well, thank you for that lead in, and uh, I appreciate it. I, I enjoy joining you guys, and yeah, I'm trying to build up the wall too. I actually just behind me there's a Walter White bobblehead I just got, so that was uh, that was a nice addition. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll build it up someday. I'll have a cool looking background. A, a lot of these fantasy fantasy analysts had these like great things behind them, and I'm like, okay, I got to do something. Yeah, I, Walter White bobblehead, man, that's a that's a great idea. Oh yeah, it's yeah. I'll grab them in a little bit when I when I'm not talking. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, you guys know. We have Greg on for one specific reason, the best in the business, talking relief pitchers. That is our show tonight. And look, I think you watch a different, a lot of different shows. Last year, we did a relief pitcher draft. We're trying to kind of combat or come at this at a little bit of a different angle. And instead of just literally having Greg talk for 50 minutes straight, I don't think he wants to do that. 
I don't know if everybody just wants to hear the same voice for 50 minutes. So we thought we would take the 15 bullpens that seem to have the most question marks in the league right now. Obviously, if you have Emmanuel Class A, you know he's getting the saves for the Guardians. If you have uh, Josh Hader, you know he's going to get the saves for the Padres. We're looking at the bullpens right now that have the biggest question marks, and we're all going to take our shot at thinking who's going to be the number one in saves by the season's end in each of these bullpens. So let's kick it off, and let's go to this first bullpen, Greg. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, we're going to probably the most complicated one to start. At least that's what it looks like to me. Uh, just looking at just kind of the options for them right now. Uh, there's not, to me, just when I look at their depth chart, one that stands out to me in terms of uh, that would be my gut feeling. I'm interested to hear you. I mean, Kevin Ginkle, Andrew Chafin is there, Miguel Castro, and Scott McHugh is, I think, a name I've been hearing a lot more. So I'm a golf, excuse me. Uh, who, if you had to say today, do you think gets the most saves in that bullpen? Uh, today I'll go McGough, but I think it's close between him and Castro. I know people have been talking about Ginkle, but if they wanted Ginkle, why would they go out and add three relievers in the offseason? Um, I just, you know, if, if you knew you had him and he's cheap, then you would have just kept on rolling with it. So uh, with Melanson being shut down with shoulder fatigue, I don't know if that was uh, – Diamondback ease for he's been awful all spring, so we're going to shut him down. Uh, but that's how I, I I thought Castro probably has the best stuff, but um, every once in a while his control gets wonky as it did his last outing in spring. I think he had 17 pitches with uh, like six or seven strikes in that outing. He only gave up like a walk, but you know you can see where an outing like that can go sideways. Um, golf, you know, he's got the 95 mile per hour fastball. He's got the splitter. He'll produce ground outs and I, I, he's probably the safest play. And then they'll use Chapin sometimes with uh, left-handed pockets of the lineup, which will be a common theme tonight. You're going to hear lineup pockets very often when you're talking about these 15 uh, messy bullpens. Yeah. You're talking about just the, the, you know, how fast that McGough throws. He's looked pretty impressive in spring training. Um, he's, he had fired five and two thirds scoreless hitless innings, um, during the uh, early part of spring training here. And, uh, he looks to be like, he has some really good stuff. Now I, I got to ask you, Greg, do you think looking at Andrew Chafin as being the only lefty, uh, in this quote unquote closer committee that, he's probably going to be the guy that they would turn to if it's a heavy left-handed part of the lineup coming in the ninth. I think so. Uh, you know, Mantiply had a nice little run last year, but it seems like regression's coming at him in full force. I mean, I know it's only spring training, but um, he hasn't been very sharp. And, uh, you know, again, if the, if they trusted Ginkle and and Mantiply, then why do you bring in Chafin, McGough, mm -hmm. and, and Castro? I mean, that's just from the outside looking in. And Lavulu. Lavulo's been saying, you know, he prefers having one person, um, mm -hmm. but he's like this year at the beginning, I might have to change my approach, but we, you know, he can change that on opening day. We just, we just don't know what his um, tendency or our main choice is going to be, but I, I, I figure it's probably gonna be one of those two righties. Does anybody disagree with Greg? Cause I think I'm on board with this one, I, I think this is such a confusing bullpen that I there wasn't I had didn't have strong feelings one way or another towards a different player. Um, are we all team Scott McGough? If if 
pretty much we had to pick one. Well, I, I, I want to ask. I want to say I want to ask Greg. Like, are you completely avoiding this this situation? Or have you drafted mm-hmm. any Diamondbacks at all? Okay, yeah. I think that's important to know too. Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, point, just like, point. hey, um, none of those guys in Tell Wars went in our twelve team auction. Not even in reserves. Wow. When's the last time the Diamondbacks had a young closer? I feel like they've been relying on veteran arms for years. Yeah, it's it's almost been like the Hazen way. He just brings in an older guy, and they just keep burning and churning through him. They, they've mm. they've had a hard time getting consistency in the high leverage. And what they spoke of in the offseason in the early articles was they wanted to add guys with velocity and swing and miss stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, all of all of those things baked together is how I landed on Castro or McGough. Um getting getting a shot at at least the primary save share. I mean, that's I think what the best you're hoping for there is somebody that's in like a 65-35 split or however you want to divvy it up. Let's talk about a different bullpen then. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you have Bruce Dark Ratterall there. Mm-hmm. And Evan Phillips was somebody I thought was going to be the guy. You look at his stat cast page and it's blinding you with how much red there is. And just the overall numbers last year, 114 ERA, 77 strikeouts in 63 innings. Uh, you know, the expected stats still elite, striking out over 33% of uh, batters he was facing. Uh, they're just, they're, I was very shocked to see that the Dodgers don't seem to have him beat the guy. Um, and I know, again, maybe it's, it's, uh, it comes down to, um, uh, a money thing and having to pay him closer type money, but, uh, you know, they're, they, if you look on fan graphs, they have four guys under the closer committee, Caleb Ferguson, Bruce Stark, Ratterall, Alexis Facia, and Evan Phillips. Uh, Greg, do you think when it's all said and done, Evan Phillips becomes the guy, or do you think this is legit? Like, uh, four different guys could have 10 saves. I don't think four will get 10 just cause it's hard to disperse that many. Yeah. Uh, but they, they are very, um, uh, another term we use on the athletic and reliever econ is uh, what we call the highest leverage reliever. We shorten it down to an HLR. And that's basically he's coming in at the biggest moment of the game, whether it's the mm-hmm. seventh inning with two guys on the eighth inning against the four five, six hitters, whatever it is that's going to help the team win. So there's a, there's a minute stat. When you look into the um, win probability, there's a little tab on, on fan graphs that I use very often, but most people probably ignore uh, there's a stack called win probability added, and then there's shutdowns mm-hmm. and meltdowns. And this all came about with Ryan Thompson. Uh, he went through a big tirade on Twitter about the arbitration process. And he was like, the team was using meltdowns against me. He's like, what the hell is a meltdown? So, of course, I already had that screenshot on my computer. I, I answered him underneath it, but I never heard back from Ryan. But if he needs representation in the future, I think I can be hired. <laughs> um, I'd be happy to represent any reliever in an arbitration case. But with all that being said, um, you know, Phillips is just so good that the Dodgers are going to do it that way. And if you guys remember in the playoffs, there was a game they were saving Phillips for the ninth inning against the Padres. And then the guys getting him to the ninth inning blew the game. And I think that resonates with, um, with Mm -hmm. Roberts and the staff. And I just, I think they're resigned to the fact that, you know, he will get saves, but he's not going to be the guy uh, in, in what we, what we view as a traditional closer. Uh, and then you've got all the dominoes. Okay. So I know Gratterall is receiving a lot of helium lately because mm-hmm. he was mentioned in an article by uh, Juan Toribio on MLB.com as having possibly the inside track at the closer job at the beginning of the season. 
but then you've got Hudson, you know, of course with his knee stuff, it hasn't been very positive lately. He's saying he needs like two, three days off in between from throwing, which is not encouraging. Uh, and then you've got Alex Reyes waiting in the wings if he can ever come back. But those are a lot that's of – that's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes, um, and, and you can't pin it on that. So it's, I know Joel Pinero, we had him on the show last year um, in the preseason, and, and he raved about Gratterall. Uh, he likes his stuff. Now, again, all of us want to see more swing and miss out of him, but he has the velocity – uh, will he use his other pitches more to get swinging strikes? Uh, and then maybe we'll get more of like a traditional closer feel from him. I guess it's, it boils down to can Gratterall start strong and stay healthy? If he puts those two things together, you could have a perfect storm, but mm-hmm. it's not anything I'm going to set my watch to. However, at his current price point, you could do worse things than having a guy that's at least a save share on the Dodgers if it's not Phillips because he's probably going 50 to 75 picks later. Well, One right now, I wanted I, to add, sorry, I just wanted to add about Brewstar, uh, Gratterall. They, the, two days ago in the LA Times, the Dodgers came out saying they, they really want him to be more consistent against left-handed, mm-hmm. left-handed hitting. So um, it's it, it does appear, at least at this point, if there's lefties coming up, he's not going to get those opportunities mm-hmm. in the ninth. So that's one thing that I think is a check in the negative column for Gratterall. Yep. And that's just like, you know, the Giants bringing in Rodgers to help Duvall with lefties. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just where the game's going. It's just, it's so hard to find somebody that can neutralize both sides of the plate and, and do the things that the, you know, the traditional closers do. So what I'll say is interesting is the last four seasons, the Dodgers closer, whoever it's been, Kenley's Jansen or Craig Kimbrell, have had at least 76% of the saves. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they are going to roll with one guy. And Gratterall did have more saves for than Evan Phillips did last year. But Evan Phillips pitched 14 more innings, and the 49.2 was a career high for Gratterall. Gratterall and I know with a flamethrower, sometimes you worry about injury more than the others. Mm-hmm. My gut just says Evan Phillips for that for that reason that well do whatever they can to get to the ninth inning and here's here's their uh, ADP over the last week for main events uh, just a few guys curious over the last week for main events Evan Phillips is going at pick two hundred three and Brewstar Gratterall is going at pick three forty eight so that's uh, it was interesting at least. Main events for people are paying seventeen hundred dollars. Greg, you said you were doing a main event draft too, right? So. Well, uh, you, you I mean, the cat's the out of the bag on that one. Curlin put it out on I, Twitter. I saw it. So. Yeah, that's where I, my mind went. <laughs> I did DM him. I'm like, I didn't need the world to know I'm doing a, uh, a main event, but it's okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm over it now. But yes, uh, Saturday at 4 p.m. I'll be I'll be uh, drafting right where you're looking at me here and and probably uh, swearing and doing other things all the draft. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I did one main event qualifier last year, and I was fortunate enough to win it. So, hey, there we go. So, nice. so I'm only paying 125 to be in my main event, but that's that's, that's that was hard work. But that's, that's the, you know, and I was uh, I'm not trying to like humble brag or anything, but like Spore and I were walking back to the hotel after the Saturday night party at Tout Wars, and we were talking about. It, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I know I should do more MEQs, but I don't know. I was like, I go, if you went to the casino. And say, like, when my girlfriend goes to the casino, she brings $100 cash. If she loses the 100 bucks, then she she walks away. Mm-hmm. I was like, an MEQ is $125. Bucks. Okay? So, I mean, okay, only one person can win your league. But at the same token, if you do win your league, I mean, that's an $1,800 lottery ticket. 
that you can turn into hopefully more money. I'm not saying I'm going to, but at least I have the opportunity to turn 125 into Mm -hmm. first, second or third, you know, and that's, that's the thought process. So that's, you know, it was work, but I've, I'm really streamlining this year. I'm doing less, um, less drafts overall. And, uh, I'm doing the main event. I'm doing two MEQs. I got the TGFBI and I might do like a satellite or two, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not spreading myself thin. You know, you got to focus on these things and, Mm. and, you know, between tout and the other stuff. So it's like Sunday nights, like all fab. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be putting out a hundred fires. I want to be focused on on the, those couple of things and try and do my best. Man, I'm so pumped for you, man. I, I've never done the main event, but I just know obviously how competitive it is. And it's crazy because I know ADP goes out the window and I know mm-hmm. any type of competitive leagues, usually that's the case, but uh, that's just an example where you literally can't think, Oh, I could draft this guy in four rounds. <laughs> He'll be there. It's like, yeah, you have yeah. to get, get, get them then. It's a, uh, it, I love hearing where guys go in main events just uh, to make sure that people can get their guys. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll love to hear, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably DM you uh, sometime in the, like after the main events over and just hear just how you how it was for you and just your thoughts about it. But um, it, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited Thank you. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, back to the bullpen discussion, bringing up that main event ADP, Evan Phillips is going a lot higher. So it seems like that, the people at least that are doing the main events think Evan Phillips is significantly um, someone they're going to invest in more than Bruce Darger Adderall. At least that's what it's saying with that ADP. Let, um, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, I don't want to um, spend all night on the Dodgers. <laughs> Let's talk about the next bullpen here. And that being the Chicago Cubs. Elsie, I'm going to start with you first because this is your team. And if you had to lean one direction in this bullpen, for this team, I, I've been seeing uh, Michael Fulmer as the favorite in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. Once Brandon Hughes kind of, I feel like a while ago, he was the guy. If you had to say today who you think the closer is for the Chicago Cubs, who is it? I don't think it's Hughes. He's the only lefty in the pen. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be Fulmer, but I think they're trying to you know, fatten him up for a trade. So <laughs> I don't know necessarily if, if he's going to uh, be lead the team by the end of the season. You but mean I think to Fulmer use that Yeah, I've never heard <laughs> that. Him up never for a trade? Him up. Did you mean to use that language for someone that's overweight? <laughs> that was. I, I was <laughs> thinking. I was thinking about a pig you bring to market when they're fat. You're you calling Michael Fulmer a pig? He's a six-three, two-twenty-four. Listen, the I'm guy. not going to fat shame anybody. I think Fulmer's a good-looking dude. I, I'm I'm I, I'm upset he hit my catcher in the face the other day. But other than that, yeah, I got I got I got uh, Nola on a team or two. <laughs> that wasn't cool. But other than that, I think he's I think he's just fine. I, I, his wife, I'm sure, loves him, or his girlfriend, or whoever his partner is. You mm-hmm. know, good looking go- dude. And so, no Brad Boxberger for you. Um, I I have taken a few Brad Boxberger shares, but I, I think as it has developed, he's behind him in the, in the pecking order as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. No Boxberger for you. Okay, fair enough. Um, I got to ask, Greg, before we go to you here, Adbert Alzale was somebody that I was speculating could be the closer for this team because his stuff is insane. He, he, I, don't, the reason he, I don't think he can make it as a starter because he's just too injury prone, but the stuff is ridiculous. Do you just see him becoming more of like what Josh Hader was before he was the closer Josh Hader. And, and like when he used to uh, set up and go like 1.2, two innings from the seventh and eighth, is that, is that the Alzole role? And then you see it being Fulmer, like uh, LC was saying. 
Yeah, they were very cryptic in the early parts of spring training about what his role was going to be. It started out, well, I could see him in leverage situations. I literally asked the beat writer and one of the things on the athletic. And then as as the time went by, um, I, and once they added Fulmer, it kind of shifted things. And I agree that, you know, Fulmer might be to the Cubs what David Robertson was in the first half last year. Mm-hmm. where he's the primary safe share. And then if the Cubs are not in contention, they're going to flip him because it's a one-year deal for $4 million, which makes him very tradable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's not anything you can ignore. Uh, so in a draft and hold, it makes Fulmer a little less alluring. But uh, for the upcoming drafts, it's a redraft league. Uh, you know, I, I would also be, you know, on recon, I wrote about two weeks ago that I was getting um, – Daniel Barr 2022 vibes from Michael Fulmer. I just feel mm. like he's doing very well in spring. He's tweaked his arsenal. You know, he switched, he's switched, he's joined the sweeper revolution. Um, and, and he's thrown, I believe now I'm going to jinx him. I think he's, he's, he's been, uh, no earned runs yet this spring. Uh, and, and he just looks confident. And, you know, it's not too long ago we were drafting him over Gregory Soto in Detroit's bullpen. That was two seasons ago. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's just like a rodeo. You you, mm-hmm. you take him, you you get as many saves as you can, and then if he gets dealt to a contender in July or August and he's no longer closing, then you just move on and go to the next go to the next bowl. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point too, talking about that in draft and holds, Fulmer probably is going to get dealt at the deadline if he's if he's any good, and he'll become a, a setup guy or a, just a regular guy in the bullpen probably for a team at that point. So it would, um, it would be like deja vu if he gets mm-hmm. dealt to the Mets where he started his career. Oh, and he does the same your exact shot? thing as Robertson. I'm not calling it, but I'm, it, it, it makes a lot, it checks yeah. a lot of, uh, check, checks a lot of the boxes. If you, if that was the, if that was the move. Okay. I, I like it. I, I want to skip one here or skip a couple. And I want to go to the Detroit Tigers for a second. Cause Marty's a Detroit Tigers fan. I, I know you, Guilty. Marty, you've been, you've been trying to be plugged in. To this team and it seemed like Alex yeah. Lang was the guy uh, for much of the kind of going into spring training just talk about how he had probably the best stuff in the bullpen but he is struggled and there's you know there's Jason Foley there Jose Cisnero is the name that I've been hearing a little bit more recently uh, if you had to pick a Tigers closer today to lead the team in saves is he still Lang for you or is it somebody else it is Lane, um, and, but his like his ADP skyrocketing was just the industry doing it because anytime because over the winter meetings when you talk to the brass, they said they're going to try out everybody. No one has a hold of the the closing position, but because Lane was so good last year, it's just assumed that he's going to get it. I do. He as of now, he's their closer, mm-hmm. and what that means is he's probably going to look around fifteen saves um, if he if he stays in there. But I, I'm afraid of like. His uh, spring training, 5.40 ERA, six strikeouts to seven walks. I mean, that's just – it It, it literally tough. could not get any worse than that. You know, it's the last thing you want to see. So my confidence is low, as you know, um, in Lang, but he is still the guy until he's not. The guy behind him is Jose Cisnero. And Lang has way better stuff. He just does. And it, it, if he blows it, then it's going to go to Cisnero, but it's, it's his until it's not. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, Greg, is that the same as you feel with uh with Lang being the guy at the end of the day? Is he going to lead the team in saves? Uh probably. However, 
Um, I'm going to go off the reservation here. So I'm either going to shock Marty or, or whatever. But, um, I, speaking of, of picking up things, I, 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 I don't know if it can last, but Trey Winchenter has looked fantastic. Now mm-hmm. you want to, you want to take the, you want to flip the script on what Lang's doing this mm-hmm. spring. Winchenter has an 11 to two K to BB. He's hitting 95 on the, on the radar. Um, so his, he's shown no velocity loss coming back. From, and now, again, this is a guy with a very checkered injury past. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has command issues of his own to time. So he loses the strike zone. But, uh, you know, again, we're he hasn't given up a run, you know. Lang, Lang's, Lang's outing today, he did not give up a run, but he threw 17 pitches, seven were strikes. Seven. No, no, I was talking about the other guy. He has, he has not given up a run in those seven innings. Oh no, I know Winchester hasn't, and, yeah. and you know it's even funny too because uh, Frank Stample was DMing me the other day about Miguel Diaz. He's actually looked very good as well. You know, I I don't think I think Cisnero. I'm sure Marty can attest to this. I don't trust Jose Cisnero in this no. safe situation. Um, no. Jason Foley's far too hittable. I, I you know that ha- that happened again today. Both of them got roughed up in their outings, and there's and again spring training is not going to you know be our marker for what's going to happen all season long. But um, in spring, I'm looking at whip and I'm looking at K to BB. Those are and velocity and whatever. I, I, that's what I'm focused on. Are they throwing strikes? Are they limiting walks? And are they keeping people off the bases? That's, that's what I'm trying to monitor. And mm-hmm. Diaz and Winchester for me, have been checking those boxes. So um, I, I would not be averse if, if I end up punting saves like I did in the TGFBI uh, taking Winchester in the 29th or 30th round on Saturday. Interesting. I hadn't heard that name, um, but that's that's something to keep an eye on, I guess, there. Uh, do you think Alex Lang starts the year out as the, like the first game, scores three to two in the ninth inning, Lang is out there? I think so now. And again, Marty can attest to this, but A.J. Hinch has been very calculated, just like they never said Soto was a closer till a year later. I don't mm-hmm. think he wanted Lang to come into camp with the pressure of, I got to be the closer. And I think he kind of tried to insulate him and say, you know, we have we have more than one way to get to the ninth, get through the ninth inning. I think those are the quotes that Mario was intimating about. And, yep. you know, I they've been very coy. And, and again, it makes total sense. But at the same token, A.J. Hinch is watching the same out out the same results that I'm seeing. And he's going, OK, I'll give Lang a couple of shots early, but I might give Winchester a couple of shots early, too. And and if Winchester Winchester converts them and. Lang does not, then mm-hmm. the fantasy community could be very upset. All right, well, that's the Detroit Tigers. Let's go to the next team on the list here, that being the Miami Marlins. And this bullpen, I think we thought we knew it, and then they made a bunch of moves, and now we have no idea. Dylan Floro, Tanner Scott, Matt Barnes, A.J. Puck. I feel like you could tell me any of these four guys would be the closer, and I'd be like, oh, makes sense to me. Uh AJ Puck, maybe he's a multi-inning, the the you know the the one to two inning guy versing the the best part of the lineup. Matt Barnes coming in there, uh, especially how he finished the year last year, looked really good. Uh, Greg, I got to go to you. This is one of the more confusing ones to me here. If you if you had to pick one, who is it? Well, I'm going to further confuse you. So. <laughs> Um, in close the other day, they said they were going to look at a couple of relievers as what they're calling an inning plus. So this might be something new. I have to add to the, uh, closer charts at recon inning plus. Mm -hmm. I do kind of like the way he said it. It's interesting, but he mentioned, uh, Floro, Brazabon and Scott as the guys he wants to be 
inning plus relievers where is so else you know lc comes in and faces a guy in the seventh and then he does the eighth inning and then i can bring in whoever matches up best in the ninth so um the team really um when i was talking with craig michelot uh last year he said the team felt that flora was one of their best options when there's guys on base because he can get ground balls and get double plays so like if there's mm -hmm. guys on first and second they can bring him in in those situations and get get out of the inning um so I think you'll see probably Barnes and Puck. Now, if I'm going on skill um, and in TGFBI, I, I don't know if it was just because of me in the draft room or whatever. I, I would like to think that's not the case, but um, um, relievers got pushed up major in my TGFBI. Uh, so I just let them drift. And I ended up, um, I took Puck, I think, in the 24th round. So I ended up with Fulmer, Puck, uh, Will Smith and my last pick was Ben Joyce, but you know, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I can just flip him and move on to somebody else. Um, so I'm not scared to chase saves, but other people don't want to deal with all that rigmarole. But, um, I, when I, when we were talking off air before we started, I said I did a whole aggregated, um, projection sheet, taking the stuff on fan graphs and putting them in a blender and coming out with the four, the four different sites, um, mm -hmm. the projection systems. Um, Puck ended up being like in the top 20 on skills from the four when Ooh. I put them all together. And it was weird because I, I left one, I, I have four tabs on the site that people can access, but the first tab is just skills. And um, with the injury, who's number one? Who do you guys think is number one? Ba just based on skills, there's no wins or saves attached. It's just strikeouts, hits, you know, it's basically Barnes. It's strikeouts, innings pitched, hits allowed, walks allowed. Just for the Marlins or in, in general? And then SGP. No, all overall. Like, Brian, is it I'm just relief pitchers or? Just relief pitchers, yeah. Brian Abreu. Um, Bader. No. Devin Williams. Williams. Nope. We got one more shot. Uh, Munoz. Munoz is it. Oh, Munoz good job, Marty. First when, there's no, bang, bang. when there's no wins or saves attached, when I, when I left those two columns empty, he was at the top of the list in SGP. Well, I remember at FPAS, Doug Dennis did his love letter to him where he talked about him for about five straight minutes. He got a little <laughs> heated. I think he was sweating. Yeah, I, I teased him on a different uh, on a different show. I said, Doug, does Munoz have a uh, order of protection? You're not allowed within like 500 <laughs> feet of him or what? He would if he would have saw the <laughs> what I saw. Yeah, I was yeah nervous. Doug's not allowed in Seattle. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so, I, I mean, yeah, this bullpen is still that, a lot of questions to it. So, again, gun to my head, I'm going to say puck. And I'll say he'll get 14. Okay. But it's not like, I think he's it has get... to be Puck, right? Like Dylan Floro has looked awful spring training. He's 30. Matt, they brought Matt old. Barnes over. Matt Barnes is a closer. Uh, 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 remind me later if I find it. I have a chart that shows Matt Barnes's results before sticky substance checks and Matt Barnes's results after. And it's two wow. different pictures. Matt Barnes couldn't even hold that closer job in the Red Sox organization prior. Um, Brandon Workman took it from him. Oh, that, that's yeah. a name. Where did Brandon Workman go? He's out of baseball. <laughs> it's in Japan or Korea right now. Something well, like he that. He was literally like, was it two years ago? He was he was like a legit closer option. I think it was further ago, but yeah, it's 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 such a hard position. It, guys' careers rise and fall, flame out. It's it's amazing what I mean. Then you get guys coming back out of nowhere. I mean, it was remember Daniel Bard. He had the yips, and then all of a sudden he put together the season of his life. But yeah. mm -hmm. on the same token, I don't know if we're going to talk about them. But um, 
I will have zero. Last year, I was telling everybody to get barred. This year, I'm going to have zero shares. I just he looks awful. Net, he doesn't know where the ball's going player. right now, and it's a shame because it was a great story, and I think he's probably a really good guy. But yeah, uh, nothing personal. But <laughs> I uh, listened to that episode on the Athletic because I remember hearing your reasoning. I don't remember the top of my head what exactly it was at this moment, but I remember when I, I was golfing, I was listening to it. And I was oh, like, it makes his, so much sense. His velo's down. And then he said in an interview before his first outing with the pitch clock, he was like, he was, oh, we didn't know the rules. So I didn't get a full warm up. That's my velocity. Mm-hmm. It was down. But the next outing was down. But he said, he was like, pitching with the pitch clock is like uh, a cardio workout. And I was like, what's it going to be like when it's July in Colorado? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's a cardio workout in 60 degree weather in spring in Arizona, it ain't going to be pretty when it's hot in Colorado. Now, Greg, this doesn't necessarily relate 100%. We're talking about Colorado relievers. Where were you when Wade Davis had two of the worst back-to-back outings for a closer that I've ever seen and literally cost people the season? Oh, I remember those. Gosh, you won't let that go. Golly, you're not going to ever let that go, David. (laughs) But but he wasn't the one to, like, ask to stay out there. His manager left them hung out there dry. (laughs) Because I think just they like, still thought just he like was... they did the hater last year. That almost that almost yeah. busted that, one of my, my. I had him active that week in my main event qualifier, and I was like six earned runs. Oh my good god! Luckily, my team held on and recovered. But I was like, yeah, that was that was my 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 heart fell on my stomach when I saw that stat line coming across. I was like, oh dear lord. Were there any worse closer blowups than those ones? I'm trying to think if they were like a stretch where like you're. Just I like, feel like Carlos Estevez had an awful game at one point or. Well, like a, one yeah, game is one. I think point. I had him active in TGFBI during that. Yeah. Chapman had a buck really and I was bad like, blow up. And then, yeah. Chapman had a really bad blow up a couple of years ago where he gave up like. Yeah, 2021. Oh, he had a I weekend had against the well, Yeah, he had a weekend against the Mets where he blew like two games in three days. Yeah. yeah that, where, that cost me a match with like, Ariel Cohen, by the way. Didn't he have, <laughs> didn't he have like back to back wild pitches that game or something? Oh, yeah. One of them. He had no idea where this. Yeah. He, you know, and, and people are like, we're like, puffing their chest out going Chapman's going to be the closer in Kansas city. It's like, I, I don't trust that guy. I feel like Bobby Jenks even had a stretch towards the end of his career. Where I remember him just being like, just his name is why he still was closing games, but he was just completely awful. I feel like same with Jose Valverde. Mm-hmm. Ooh, big poppy. I, I, we could talk closer names all day. I love real being these guys, um, but we'll go to the next team here. Uh, the next one that we'll talk about is the New York Mets. And this one would have not been on the list, but Edwin Diaz, unfortunately, will probably miss the entire season. So we have pretty much two guys we're looking at, unless knowing like how fantasy baseball works, they'll end up being a, a random third guy that ends up making himself uh, pop here. But David Bednar on a trade. It, it could be. It could be. Uh, but David, David Robertson or Adam Adovino, as it stands today, seem to be the two fighting for it. I've literally heard half the people say out of, you know, I've heard half the people say Robertson, uh, Greg, as it stands today, do you lean one way or the other? Um, the recon staff is very split on this because two of them are Mets fans. Uh, <laughs> however, um, I lean Robertson solely because, you know, we were quoting the stats about gradual earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Adovino last year had, had a Woba, I think of like 360 against lefties. So, I mean, if he's, if he's facing Acuna and righties from Atlanta, he's fine. But if you get into a situation where um, two left-handers are in the ninth inning, um, you're, you're going to see Robertson out there. So uh, I, I projected it on recon when it happened. 
um, as a 65-35 split favoring Robertson. And I think once in a while, Brooks Raley will get in there and get one, or Drew Smith will get a couple when those guys need a day off. Uh, I just, you know, I, they're going to stick with the stuff. And plus, Robertson has closed for the Yankees before. He's used to New York. Uh, we saw Adovino struggle sometimes when he was kind of the focal point of the Yankees. Um, I think they would rather manage Adovino with clean innings and mostly right-handed batters as opposed to just saying you're our guy in the ninth inning, if that makes sense. A little note of that, too. Adovino has at least 15 holds in his last five full seasons, so mm-hmm. he's probably more comfortable being the setup guy, but yeah. I feel like they have to trade for someone. They're both 37. Yeah, yeah, they're no spring chickens, and we all know you're going to need you're going to need a live arm when you get into those uh, postseason moments. Yeah, I, I have a hard. I mean, and again, um, pa- I love Pags, but he thought I was nuts when I was like, they should go trade for Barlow right now. Yeah, Scott Barlow. I mean, Kansas City has a pile of relievers. Um, they're going to have to make a deal or two here. I mean, mm-hmm. Amir Garris looked good this spring. They've got Josh Taylor. They've got Chapman. They got three lefties. Every how many teams could use a lefty right now? A bunch. You know, they're probably going to have to send Dylan Coleman to the minors because they got to see what Stolmont has left. And they got Carlos Hernandez and they've got Taylor Clark. I mean, they do have a spoil of riches when you just look at decent relievers. Um, and if somebody's going to get released, they're going to be better off trading them. So somebody's going to get one or two of those guys probably once the uh, rosters are announced. I actually, but, was- but I was like, be preemptive, go trade Barlow now, get a couple, get a prospect and. Cut your losses. I mean, why wait till midseason? You don't know. I mean, what if he gets hurt? I, I actually put it out on Twitter. I know Robertson's going inside the top 200 right now in main mm-hmm. events. Yeah, I put it out on Twitter. Where do you where do you take him? I said, I think he's the guy. I said, is he if he's the closer, where do you take him? People were telling me, I had one person say, I'd take him above Bednar. So that'd be like 110 oh. if you take him above Bednar. But uh, I mean... It's if he is the closer, he's going to get more saves than Bednar, but because of the Pittsburgh versus Mets thing. But right. I think it's it's pretty risky to do that. I think it's pretty risky, but yeah. there's going to be some believers, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure someone will believe it more than me on Saturday. <laughs> well, I, I don't mind taking one early, but if I do that, I'm going to let it drift. I'll, I'll come back in around round 16 or 17 and I'll try and get you know, Fulmer, like we talked about, or some of the other guys I like, I'm not going to force myself into getting two closers early in my draft. There's too many other fires I got to put out. If David Bettinar got traded to the New York Mets, where would he rank among your closers? He'll move up, but then again, next year, then he has no value. He's got a lot of team control left. That's why I don't really think the Mets are a great fit because they're not going to bring Bednar in there. And then Diaz comes back, you know, Whenever he's going to come back, I, I know they're saying best case scenario, it's an eight month recovery. Um, yeah. but these guys are freak athletes, but you can't rush them at the same token. So I, I just don't know if the Mets are going to give up the prospect capital it takes to get Bednar just because of, I think he's under team control till 27. I mean, that's a lot of time. That, that's, that's a huge asset. Maybe it's, it's 26 or Mets. 27. That's why uh, the it just doesn't make sense for the Mets with the contract they gave Diaz to go give, yeah. to give up one of your guys like Alvarez to go get better. Of course, the Pirates really don't need a catcher, but I'm just right. spitballing people. Let's talk about a team in the same division, the Philadelphia Phillies, who they have Craig Kimbrell, who 
anytime he's on a team, you have to think he's got to be one of the guys in line to be the, the front runner for saves. But Sir Anthony Dominguez might be the best reliever in that bullpen. Is it as simple as that, that Sir Anthony is the, the fireman and Kimber will be the ninth inning guy? Is there other players that are going to mix in here? Because the Phillies are going to expect it to be one of the best teams in baseball, which should give them plenty of save opportunities here. Uh, who's the guy to roster if, if you're looking for saves out of this bullpen? This will probably be another one I avoid. I like Sir Anthony a lot, but he's under the same connotation that we treated mm-hmm. Evan Phillips. Um, and, you know, Kimbrell, and, and, you know, Alvarado was very good last year, which is why I don't understand why they got Gregory Soto. But then you look at all of the stuff. Kimbrell's on a one-year deal. They bought out the arbitration years from Sir Anthony and Alvarado. The only one under arbitration, Soto. So Soto is probably the least likely to get saves if you're looking at price depression on on your salary. Um, so those three, those other three guys will probably share the saves. I just don't know if one of them is going to get enough. I would like to see Kimbrell's velocity tick up a little bit, but I also know veterans with a normal ramp up are not airing it out. They're not like Yuan Duran is coming out hitting 101. The the older guys are like, I'll wait till next week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This, this is a very interesting bullpen. Um, I mean, is it crazy that you think there could be somebody from this bullpen that gets 20 saves? I think that would be tough. The only, if you're, if you're going on that, the only one that would probably do that would be Kimbrell if they let him. I just don't know if he has the skill set mm-hmm. uh, still capable of doing that. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think avoiding it completely definitely could be the right way to go here. Uh, as well as this bullpen, which is to me the pineapple on pizza bullpen of baseball, because it is absolutely disgusting. And I, the, the Washington Nationals, Doc, this is your team. Right now, the way it's, it's, it's supposed to be Kyle Finnegan, who I think might be the worst closer in baseball, that actually is, is the closer. Uh, you have Carl Edwards Jr. there. You have Hunter Harvey there. Uh, they have Erasmo Ramirez. There, there, there is nobody here that I want. Tanner Rainey's still there, but he's starting the year on the IL. It's expected to be. Uh, the, the Nats are just disgusting. Doc, are you are you taking anybody in this bullpen in any of your drafts? First of all, I, I, if it's not clear, I feel like I'm an Orioles fan now based on the amount of games I go to. You literally have switched teams three separate times now. How is Eric, it three? Eric used to be a or, okay. Eric used to be a Mets fan back in the day, and then they traded Jose Reyes, and David Wright was hurt all the time. So he said, I, now I'm going to be a Nets fan because I live, I live in Washington. And now that you live in Baltimore, you're like, no, I'm an Orioles fan. And that's to their all right, all right. I'm, it's, split, it's split fandom. 1A, 1B, like you and the Twins and Nets, right, David? I'll always root for the Twins regardless. Okay, well, I'll always root for the Nets regardless. So if the I Nets play it, the O's, you're rooting for the Nets then? I hope both teams have fun. No, that's, that's all I needed to hear. Okay. Go ahead. So I do think Finnegan is the guy to begin the year as the closer. He had 11 saves last year and 11 the year before that. But this is a bullpen I'm not touching. The Nats are projected to have the least amount of wins in baseball. Most mm-hmm. sports books have them at 58 and a half. And it's actually favored on the under. So with no clear cut, I mean, and if you're taking somebody, it's a late round pick. I mm-hmm. would take Finnegan, but I wouldn't overdraft any of these guys because they're just not going to be a competitive team. And they play in a very competitive division, and I know they play less division games this year, but I just don't think that there's value in taking these guys. All right, then let's go to the next one because I don't we don't need to waste Greg's knowledge on the Washington Nationals bullpen. Unless unless Greg, there's 
something else in there. I'd, I'd rather your knowledge for some, maybe some teams that might have more interesting situations here. No, I, that's fine. And the only thing I can add to that is that they, they're another team that said there's once in a while, we already told Finnegan that we might need him in the eighth inning more than the ninth inning. So mm-hmm. not only are you saying they're not going to win a lot of games, but he might give away save chances because he's facing the toughest pocket in the eighth inning at times, which makes it even more risky. Yeah, good point with that too. Um, so we're all staying for away from the Nats bullpen. We've got the Texas Rangers looking into the American League. And Jose LeClerc would be the guy that I thought was, um, it seemed, you know, his stuff is awesome. And I know he was, he's been inconsistent finding the strike zone, but he was somebody that uh, looks in, insanely nasty at times. Jonathan Hernandez is back, but always seems like he is the eighth inning guy. They have a couple other players in this bullpen. I know Frank Stample kind of brought this name up, and that's where I, I started thinking about it. Will Smith reunited with Bruce Bochy. Maybe Will Smith can work his way into the the discussion there. For you, Greg, is it Jose LeClerc and you're not concerned, or is or is there more questions there? Well, first I'm going to go yell at Frank because he's a subscriber. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, yeah, uh, I you know I intimated that you know there there were some really interesting uh, quotes when they signed Smith. You know, like they didn't bring back Matt Moore because they said he was too expensive, mm-hmm. and, and then they brought Smith in, who obviously has since he was the closer for Bochi at the end of 2018 and 2019 uh, before his trade to Atlanta. And he was like, you know, we know what we're going to get with Will. He's a gamer and, you know, he's not scared of the big situations and this, that, and the other. So I think LeClerc will open the year as the closer. But if his command issues resurface or um, he, he he does have a habit of putting too much traffic on the bases at times. So if mm-hmm. he gets a couple of blown saves early, I wouldn't be surprised that there's a quick hook and all of a sudden you're going to see Will Smith out there. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that there's going to be a very short leash on on Jose LeClerc. I mean, they waited till the last day to pick up his his option. You know, they had a team option on him. The last possible like hour that they could sign him and extend that option is mm-hmm. when they signed it. It was like, you know, if they were like, oh, LeClerc's our guy, we're, we're just going to pick up that option right now. I mean, they literally were like watching the clock tick down and said, okay, we'll keep him. Interesting. Uh so I mean he has talent. I just yeah, I just don't know if he can if he can manifest it over a full season. So this will be another one of those situations that you're not really interested in. Uh I I mean, yeah, I, at pick 180, it's hard for me to say I'm gonna go get at, at pick 180, I'm doing too many other things. I'd rather, you know, I, I'm looking at the I know Springs has actually jumped up in ADP, but you know, that was a range where I used to get Jeffrey Springs and other people that 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 was just there's other parts of the of the draft that I like that I, I don't I'm not going to be diving into a closer at that point. Okay, that's can fair. I put it into existence that I think Taylor Hearn gets a shot? You can. I mean, <laughs> he, he he never he has never, he has stuff. I mean, never was a good starter. Like always got bombed as a starter, but like for one inning, mm-hmm. I feel like he could be the guy. I just want it to happen. I want him to have a good career. It's a long season. Anything can happen. Yeah. Then let's look at the next team here. And going right down the list, we have the Seattle Mariners. We know the two guys here, Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald. 
both could well be if they were on separate teams, their own closer. We wouldn't even discuss this, but they're both on the same team. Uh, is is one is, is, to you, Greg? Is it just who you can get at the lower ADP at this point, or do you think one firmly sets themselves apart as the closer in Seattle? This one's a bit of a conundrum because Andres Munoz is, you know, we joked about Doug Dennis earlier, but Mm -hmm. if you look at the contract that Seattle got him to sign, it's criminal. I mean, (laughs) they're paying him like $2 million a year. You know how good he is, what he would get on an open market. I mean, whatever he, again, if you need an agent, Andre, I'm right around here. um, I Munoz is just uber talented, but same thing. When you saw in the playoffs, he was going against Vlad Guerrero. He was going against Bo Bichette. He was in those moments where they needed him the most. And then he he takes out the hard stuff and then Seawall will come in and get the save. And I think you're going to see that same MO. The only thing I'm going to say is I, I, I forgot the look before I came on air. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Seawald is a free agent at the end of the year, if he has one more arbitration year left. I'm not positive on that one. But let's not forget, this is a team that traded a very popular clubhouse guy. So if Seawald is in his, you know, if he's a a free agent at the end of the season, they've already proven that they'll trade. I mean, they traded Graveman to get other parts um, because that's just what their their new MO is. If you're not under contract the next year, we'll move you. So, you know, him, Diego, um, if their contracts are expiring, again, I'm not 100% positive on Seawald. I'm just saying that's something to keep in the back of your mind. And then I also like Matt Brash in this bullpen. That guy's filthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, his mm-hmm. slider is unbelievable. You know, the, everyone forgets that in 2021, Drew Steckenrider led this team in saves. Drew Steckenrider. That's, that's with Seawald yeah. there and everybody wanted everybody else. And and Steckenrider got the most saves in the second half. So the, the Seattle's another team that just rolls with the pockets. And you just have to you just have to go in with eyes wide open. I don't mind either one at their price, but I'm not going to force them either. So Seawald had uh, an arbitration this year. He's making one year $4.1 million. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2025 is what Okay, so on, they have one more year, so they don't have to worry about yeah. trading them this year. So nope, that, ignore that comment. But um, next year, you can plan on him probably getting traded. Yeah, with the amount of arms they have in that bullpen. And yeah. I and you've got Bryce that. Miller waiting, Prelander Baroa, mm-hmm. Isaiah Campbell. I mean, they've got so many dominoes. If they decided that they wanted to enhance their, if they had to move a seawall or somebody else to get something they need for a push at the Astros, they would not hesitate because they've got guys waiting in the wings. Seattle's so stacked. They're, they're like a team that's going to be around for a long time with the talent that they have. It's, mm-hmm. uh, them, them and the Orioles are going to be very, very good for the next few years. Yeah, it's exciting to watch two teams that have not been good for a long time uh, now making noise here. The next team we'll talk about the Oakland A's and <laughs> talking about the Nats not winning very many games. This is probably a team they'll be fighting for last place with. Trevor May right now seems to be the guy, but there's Zach Jackson and Denny Jimenez there as other potential options here. You would think with the contract that they gave Trevor May that he'd be the guy. Uh, it's obviously a one-year deal, so they could get have his value go up and ship him. Is that, is that the case here, Greg? Probably try to see if you can drive his value up and, and trade him. You would think so, but you know we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. It he's he's like the highest paid paid player on that team by a lot. I didn't like, realize that a lot. 
I think the next highest paid player is like two million a year. He's getting seven. So um, I, he wanted to go. He wanted to pitch closer to where he grew up. I think that's kind of why he went there. He mm-hmm. does have the games finish clauses in his contract. So yeah, there's a there's motivation for him to want to close. Uh, just you know, like we we talked about with the Nets, you know, Doc highlighted it, how many games they're going to win, and then is he going to be the guy? Hopefully, in the ninth inning, what if they use him like they might use Finnegan? It's mm-hmm. again, it's if I'm getting him at like pick three fifty, okay, but uh, th- again, it's just not another situation. I'm I'm cramming into my my needs because there's there's probably other stuff that's more. I'd rather have an Andre Munoz type that's going to give me better strikeouts and ratios and less saves just because he'll help my lineup more in a 15 team league than Trevor Maywell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Marty, you were, I think one of the, the person, at least on this show that was touting him the longest as someone you were trying to target for saves and yeah. it, his ADP has gone up a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the first, when it, the news first dropped, that's when I was the most in on him because you could still get him pretty cheap. Yep. But now that it's flown up, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't have him anywhere, you know? Um, yeah, Jimenez, he's going to be, he's going to get 10 saves. I can, I know that right now they're going to, they're going to pitch him as much. And I think Trevor may some, somewhere around 10, 12, 15. And then they, that's mm-hmm. at the most probably 10 and they ship them. Honestly, I'm saying just stay away from it. It's mm-hmm. a mess. And it's, yeah. oh, and it's how many games are they going to win? <laughs> I, Doc's the, the one with the season long lines here. It's probably like 66 and a half wins or something. I'm sure. No, it's like 60 and a half. 66 and a half, 66 and a half. You get in that Rockies territory. Gotcha. <laughs> Doc, uh, they did a bunch of fun season long props on the YouTube channel. I could probably uh, recite each team's range <laughs> just from how much I've looked yeah. at them. <laughs> I, I still like the Rays bet that you guys brought up. The There was one obscure bet. The Rays, the first team to 10 wins because they play the first series was it's against. Great schedule. They, they play yeah, like the Oakland A's. Then they play the. Uh, they play the Red Sox, I think, in Tampa. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's while you continue, I'll look that up. Yeah, because that's, so that's, that's for those listening that hadn't heard that one. That's a good bet. That's why I've been trying to get like Springs and Eflin late, just because that mm-hmm. opening of the year you can get a couple of good starts. Oh yeah. The while Doc's looking that up, we'll go to our next bullpen. We'll stay in the same division, the Los Angeles Angels, who. Recently have had some interesting names pop up here. Carlos Estevez was the guy a few months ago. Everybody's like, Carlos Estevez, that's the role they brought him in for. All of a sudden, Jimmy Hergett's looking great. And Matt Moore is just a freaking shutdown reliever now. Uh, maybe Matt Moore is used for more than just the ninth. Uh, but Jimmy Hergett is, again, the name. And then, obviously, uh, the uh, just his name. Just the gift machine, Ben Joyce. Ben Joyce. Yes, yes Ben Joyce. Thank you. 104 uh, miles he, an hour. Ooh. He's making 105. You got to put respect on his name. Machi, machi. Um, <laughs> who is it at this bullpen? But it's it, in a good way. I feel like there's a lot of exciting options here, Greg. Yeah. Well, you know, we all know what excitement gets us in a draft room. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's funny. I, I liked Estevez and then he had 10 walks and I was like, oh my good God. And then now he's starting to come around again. I, I do like Joyce. Um, I had a good conversation with uh, Jeff Pontus at Baseball America. And I brought this up to him. I was like, hey, I was like, Joyce had one back-to-back appearance with Tennessee, one. And he did not do it at all. In double. I mean, he only had 13 AA appearances, but none were on consecutive days. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if he, with with how much effort he puts into his pitches and hitting 
104, 105 miles per hour, if he can handle the workload of what we would want a closer to do, if that makes sense. I really think he needs a little time in the minors just to try and establish that he can do that and it's repeatable. And, and then you would bring and, and he does have some command issues as well. Um, it's not like he's a perfect prospect. So uh, I think they'll use Estevez until they can't. And then if he forces their hand, then they'll go to Herget and more sharing it. And then they'll try and bring up Joyce, maybe May or June. And then Joyce would be the guy you think at that point. Well, if you bring him up, you're going to introduce him in like the sixth, seventh inning. Mm-hmm. And then if he's showing he can handle it, then you move him up to the eighth and then you'll give him his first save chance and kind of, you don't want to, you don't want to put too much on him too soon because then you can wreck his, you don't want to wreck anyone's mentality. Right. I think you got to build the confidence. You can't just say, Hey, you're going to be our closer. That's just, it's too much. Just like Hinch is trying to protect Lang. It's the same idea. Okay. No, I agree with that. That's a, a, do you guys want to hear the race schedule? Oh yeah, go ahead. They begin a three-game homestand versus the Tigers. Marty, I'm surprised he didn't call me. That's out what it was. Okay. And they play at Nationals for a three-game homestand. <laughs> then versus the Athletics for a three-game homestand, and then versus the Red Sox for a four-game homestand. That is as juicy an opening schedule as I've ever seen. Right, that, yeah. That's a nice 13-game start. <laughs> that's probably like a, a ten and three. I'm sure. Record I hope so. And done. With their pitching, yeah, that's that's definitely possible. We got three teams left, all in the same One division. Thing I was, sorry, oh, no, no, I no, go ahead. Add about Yeah, good. Uh, has been working. They're trying to get him to throw fastballs up in the zone. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why his spring has been very tough. Mm-hmm. So they're oh, yeah. trying to like introduce that. And if it doesn't work, they'll just scrap it and he'll go back to how he was pitching. How about having him throw more sliders? It's his best pitch, but yeah, I, again, I digress. He should be, he should be spinning sliders, not worrying about trying to throw elevated fastballs. But again, what do I know? It's the, it's the angels, Greg. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm expecting too much. And that's why I, that's why I don't want him to rush Joyce. I mean, oh my God, don't ruin the kid. <laughs> Isn't this funny? There's like certain teams that you're just like, when they get players, you're just really concerned because of how they've developed. Like the Nats with their pitching has always been really bad. The Angels never seem to develop pitchers consistently. They're like the Royals never seem to develop any good starters. Well, at it's- least they have a new staff. I think the Royals will start to improve, mm-hmm. but it's going to be hard for them to fix what's there. It's going to be, I think, what they bring in will will help shape where they're going. Hopefully. Uh, the Royals are an exciting team. I want them to have better pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of the Royals, let's talk about them. They right now. You talked about it, Greg. That uh, they have so many riches there: uh, Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman, or oldest Chapman. I mean, Stomont, yeah, Stomont, uh, Taylor Clark, Amir Garrett. But or oldest Chapman probably came to Kansas City for one thing, and that's to close. Is it that simple, or do you think he doesn't get the job right away? Uh, I, I don't think they would just hand it over to him. At best, he's he's sharing it with Barlow especially if they take the pocket approach. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'm biased because I just have too many. I had him on my team in 2021 and it was a complete roller coaster ride. So I was mm-hmm. like 2022, I'm out. And thank God, because people are taking him inside of pick 75. And I was like, avoid. Um, so I'll victory lap that one because it's past the season. But yeah, I just, 
the the command issues, and he's a volatile person. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, here's the thing: he's not much of a poker player. So, like when he's, the other day, he had a good outing, and he does that. You know, after a pitch, and he he does his little like standing strut after a strikeout. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. when he's feeling it, you know it. But then there's other starts where he's just got the, or other outings. The sweat yeah. is pouring down. He doesn't know where a pitch is going, and then it, it just falls apart. So. Um, you, about five pitches in, you usually have an idea of which direction his outing's going to go. I just, I just don't trust him um, enough. And, and again, he he signed very. I think he took a four million dollar deal. I mean, I'm I'm sure they said, hey, we'll give you some save opportunities, but I, I doubt he will get full run, unless they trade Barlow. That's the only, that's the only caveat to any of this. For just for reference, the ten eight the ten main event drafts that have gone. Scott Barlow has gone pick one thirty one, and Aroldis yeah, Chapman. Down. Yeah, and hitting um Aroldis Chapman's three forty five. Mm-hmm. So a very big difference. Where I think people think most of the saves are coming from there. With that, uh, the Minnesota Twins, my favorite team, is also very quick because there's no doubt who the most talented pitcher is. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, Yohan Duran, but Jorge uh, Jorge Lopez is interesting because I was reading an article that talked about. Not only did he have stuff in his personal life going on, but he changed the way he was throwing pitches and two strike counts with the twins. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was actually detrimental to his overall numbers. And they say he's yeah. going to go back to go, uh, throwing in two strike counts, like how he was with the Orioles. Um, and he was obviously showed he was a very talented reliever with them. And with the threat of Duran becoming too expensive, they could definitely suppress his saves. Is it, Again, one of those situations, just as, as much as we seem like it's it's laid out there, like Duran, maybe he gets you 10 to 15 saves, but the the Twins are going to look every option possible for him not to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Rogers said as much when they traded him. He was like, I wanted to be the closer, and they don't believe in it because they don't want to pay arbitration money. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally said it. <laughs> it's not like somebody was like speculating, like, oh, maybe. I mean, Rogers was very outspoken when he arrived in San Diego about how Minnesota handled them. Uh, and yes, I mean, I love Duran. I mean, I was highlighting him in the athletic early on last year and, and beating the drum for him. But, you know, as much as we want him to be the closer, it doesn't mean that that doesn't fit the twins MO and you, mm-hmm. and you highlighted all the reasons why. And, um, when we were at first pitch, uh, one of the scouts there, I, I corn, I was able to get a conversation with him and he said the, the twins, you know, the twin scouts believe that Lopez will be, you know, the primary save share because, you know, they traded four prospects for him to get him in there so they can keep Duran in that HLR role. I, I just, you know, I, I know we want him to be the closer. And, and again, Duran can make a liar out of me and get 20 saves this year. And I'm happy to be wrong because I love the kid. I just feel like the twins are going to use Lopez as much as they can in the ninth inning and use Duran in those highest leverage moments. It is interesting. I, I do want to bring up another name here, and that's Griffin Jacks. <laughs> and he's been kind of the guy that I've been touting for this bullpen who I think could be a sneaky save source. Again, if something happens with Lopez. Yep. If Lopez crumbles or they trade him. Yep. There's yeah, a there's it, a there's a window of opportunity for Jacks, no doubt. Him and Fieldbar are actually very good relievers, just mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about it. And I think with Griffin Jacks, it's interesting too because he went to driveline, which is obviously the new buzzword, but his fastball velocity is up a couple ticks and he already had an incredible slider. Um, and 
you have a good fastball and a good slider as a closer with already pretty good strikeout stuff. It's um, I feel like he'd be the guy to step in there that mm-hmm. to, to become the closer. And I feel like you can get him after picks like 600. So I, I kind of been trying to take him in every DC 50 I've done just as a speculative save ad there. Yep. Yeah. You can do a lot worse at those points. No, there's, there's no doubt he could do it. There was a couple of, there was a couple of snippets last year where he was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was his first year as a reliever. Just he's got to get a little bit more consistent, but yes, uh, with the added velocity and if he can, if he can work his slider off of that fastball with better command, I think uh, that would open, open up another door uh, mm-hmm. to his level of production. Yeah. And just, uh, just to put those exact numbers, uh, he was averaging 95.4 miles per hour with this fastball in 2022. He touched 99.8 at driveline. Obviously, I don't expect it to be that high. Maybe he'll settle around like 97. Yeah, well, they get to do like those momentum runs before they throw Exactly. It, so yeah. yeah. Um, and last year threw his slider 48% of the time and had a 194 expected batting average and 36% whiff rate. So a, a deep name to keep in mind there um, if you're looking for saves. The last team, those Chicago White Sox and Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer. Ronaldo Lopez became the buzzy name because of what he can do in, in short innings. Obviously he can throw hard and mm-hmm. he had, you know, once a failed starter, but looks like he has the makeup of what it could be an elite reliever here. And like you said, they don't want to appoint the closer, maybe out of respect to Liam Hendricks, but this is a team that's expected to win a lot of games here and there will be saves to be had, but who is going to take the majority of them? Uh, I projected Lopez for 13 and Graveman, I think for seven with Kelly getting a couple, Bummer getting a couple, and Crochet grabbing a couple of like two inning saves when he comes back in uh, in mm-hmm. May. Um, I just Graveman's second half last year, he had a whip over one five. I, I just that just makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think Graveman's what we thought he was. And I know people are like, oh, it's Graveman because he did it last year when Hendricks was on the IL. But that was that was when Lopez was transitioning into the bullpen. Um, Ethan Katz has said more than once the pitching coach that Lopez has closer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and Pedro Griffal, the new manager is already the, the article two days ago, um, in the Chicago, in the Chicago paper, he was saying, you know, we're going to use the pockets approach. So mm-hmm. we're going by matchups, pockets of the lineup and, and guys will get saves and, and they'll know their role before the game starts. So just plan on it. But again, if Lopez is doing much better than Graveman at the beginning of the year, then he can, that's where you can say, okay, he might be able to get the primary save share. And if you look at their ADPs, they're mm-hmm. going in two different directions, especially in the main, the main events. I think the first time that uh, Lopez has pushed ahead of Graveman in ADP, when you look at OCs versus DCs versus the mains. Yeah. main events, Ronaldo's right now going picking 298 and Graveman's going at 321. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, I guess it also depends on, um, the leagues you look at here, uh, in the, just all drafts together here. Um, just combining the, the ADPs Graveman is still ahead of, of Lopez, but not by much. It's definitely the gap is closing. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's two different directions. And, um, you, I guess you, you know, obviously be hard to grab both of them and spend the type of draft capital yeah, to no. get both. But um, I, I think, like you touched on the stuff that Lopez has, maybe if it doesn't translate to a, a, whole, a bunch of more saves than Graveman, but uh, I think the upside's definitely uh, more tantalizing with him. Yeah, it was weird. In the second half, he had a 0.81 whip, but his K minus BB and his swing strike rate went down. But mm-hmm. um, he was another guy who went to drive line because they were saying at the end of the year, his slider was 
moving more like a cutter. So it became more hittable, which is mm -hmm. why his swinging strike rates went down. So he was trying to reform and, and get that a little more bite to his slider to, to get more whiffs this season. We'll see if that can translate. We, we don't know, but again, he had the better whip. He had the better, better um, ancillary and the results with his stuff. So that's why I lean towards if when it comes down to A or B, I'm going to lean towards the, the, the better stuff. I'm with you there. Uh, but on that note, we got through 15 of the most hair tearing uh, bullpens in baseball. And I think everybody that was listening or watching has a good idea of maybe where you want to go in drafts with these bullpens or avoid them completely. But uh, now I think we all, as we kind of get into the peak of draft season over this next week, we, we know where we want to go for our saves. Uh, Greg, I want to ask you this last question before we get out of here. How long before saves and holds becomes the norm for fantasy baseball leagues? <laughs> well, you know, I, I go down to the towel. The, this was the first time towers was in person since I've been involved with it since 2021. Um, there was a lot of dinosaurs. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, unless somebody like the NFBC goes to it, I don't think you'll see. Uh, it's hard. I, it's, and it's not as easy as people think because the guys, there was less people to get 30 holds last year than there was 30 saves. Only, mm -hmm. I think only two people got 30 holds. Uh, Minter and the other ones escaping my brain right now. Might have been Boxy, but I think he had 29. But anyways, it was, um, you know, it's, holds are goofy. Uh, they're not as, they're not as like easy to get as we think they are. Now, souls do help things because now in a souls format, I don't have to worry about what, Munoz's role or Duran's role or Phillips role is all of a sudden now they're top 10 relievers because yeah. I don't have to worry about what they're doing. If they're getting a save or a hold, I don't care. I'm getting great ratios. I'm getting strikeouts and I'm getting a very good pitcher. So for those kinds of relievers, I think it's fantastic. I just don't know if the industry is open enough yet to have that sort of a thing take over. Although I did tease Frank because I lost to him in the championship last year and Tout Wars head to head. I was like, if I pulled that off, I was going to try and get a format that did do solds because whoever wins the the tout head to head gets to choose the format the next year. I like that. You, you should convince Frank that that should be the change. Well, we use the CBS standard scoring. Ah, I see. I see. <laughs> he's a company guy. Company yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he's a terrific person. I've known Frank God, yeah. since like 2017. He's a great guy. I just like to tease him. I was like, you know, I was going to go all crazy with like all these different things. If I had one, I wanted to make it like, I wanted to make Ariel Cohen really have to focus, <laughs> get him, get him out of his comfort zone. Ariel, do. We're doing, we're doing souls. We're doing K minus BB percentage. He was going to be like, what? So it would have been fun. <laughs> I love that. I, I do hope souls becomes it. Then you get the best relievers on your team. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that's what I think it, you, you try to get the best starters on your team for starting pitchers. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather go to souls than having like a, you know, team kicker as being the team bullpen. I don't yes, want to get to that yes. sort of a thing. That's, that's oh, just ridiculous, awful. but no. Uh, and, and on recon, we do that. Like I said, my, the, the, the spreadsheet I made for our, mm -hmm. our subscribers, there's a tab for saves. There's a tab for solds. And then there's a tab for um, the CBS point standard scoring. I mean, whatever one you're in, you can just click the tab and I've got, I've got my, my projections of saves and holds mixed in with the aggregated projections just to give you an idea because, you know, you know, sometimes some of those projection systems are cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. I, I went through, went through how many, how many 
holds per save happened with teams last year and tried to use that as a basis when I was putting those numbers to the paper. And if I was interested as a listener to find out more about reliever recon, where can I go? Uh, just, you know, if you just search reliever recon and, and Patreon, it should come right up. It's um, your first day. We, we do a charge of $5 and then it's $5 the first of the month from that point forward. Um, I feel bad doing it because like some people are signing up today and they're going to get dinged again on April 1st. However, um, on every article I put, I put other stuff so you can read what's been posted already with the player profiles we've done and all of the stuff that I've done with the, I have a, a main event primer an OC primer, a DC primer. It's like whatever you're doing, you, you can go just click the article and read what we had, had done for that. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, Spore and Mason have spoken about us on Sleeper in the Bus multiple mm-hmm. occasions. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot of industry people and there's a lot of um, the, the top two finishers in the main event last year are both subscribers. So that's thank awesome. You, thank you, Big Money Bob. Thank you, Steve Weimer has been with us since we started. You know, uh, uh, Rob DiPietro has been a has been a terrific um, supporter with everything we do. And now he's got his own. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, Frank Stample's in there, Ariel's a member, Sporer, Justin Mason. I mean, I remember one person when they first joined, they're like, man, I went onto the spreadsheets the other day and I saw like Sporer and somebody else was on there. <laughs> like, that's really cool. I'm like, well, no, but we, uh, we work hard. I mean, the $5, the $5 a month, we, you, you get your bang for your buck. I mean, we have a post every day. My closer charts update in real time. I have, I've already got the spring training games that finished today. I've got them all recapped with strike percentage, swing strike rates for the relievers when StatCast data is available. And, and I just, you know, I work hard, probably too hard if you ask my girlfriend. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, prep periods at work too. That's where uh, that goes in. I'm sure that's too, right. Well, yeah. And, and she teaches first grade. I said, if I, if I did not teach phys ed, there's no way this could be my side gig. <laughs> yeah. And it's nothing against physical education. I love my job, but yeah, if, if I had to be planning, what my kids had to read and, and do yep. math and all that, you know, you know, my, my eighth graders are, are just got done playing team handballs. I mean, we just get in there and get after it. It's a, it's just a different animal. It really is. I can, I can um, speak to that again. One of the few people I know in the whole fantasy sports space, that's a phys ed teacher as well. So, and, and you know what I like about phys ed, I'm not going to get off topic here, but I can have five classes in the same day and are all eighth graders and all my classes have different skills levels, different Mm -hmm. personalities. It's like I'm doing handball five times, but every class is different because this class is crazy. This class is kind of reserved. This class has no athletic ability at all. So it's just like there's different little moments that you're doing within those groups that make us fun. It's it's awesome. I completely agree with you. Different skill levels and then the there's always the kids that want to challenge you too. And like, if you, every once in yeah. a while, step in there. Yeah, they and, try and come at me in Batman, but that doesn't go well. Even wait, at 53, a, I can still take them out. Are you a good Batman player? Yeah, I'm all right. We, we might have to go ahead and one of these days. We're getting I'm 53. Not... But anyways, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember years and years ago, but Greg Paulus went to my high school. He was the point guard at Duke. Yeah. So, so his senior year, he came to my office. I wasn't teaching him. He's like, all right, Mr. Jewett, it's time. So. We were playing. I got up early on the first set. So he's like, all right, you win the first set. So then he won the second set. So I'm like, well, we got to play a third set. So we go to the third set. It was 14-14. He missed the serve. Then I got the next two points and beat him. So, you know, I was younger. I'd be like, hey, we're at the bar. I'm like, see that guy on TV? I said, I beat him in bed. And 
<laughs> I love that. So like five years later, he was coming in doing something. He was like, Mr. Jewett, he goes, am I still the hardest game you ever had? I was like, yes. He goes, that's good enough for me. He was just a competitor. He was a great kid. But, yeah. Oh, man. Quarterback on the- Syracuse, too. Shout out. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. It was so when he was at our school, it was bananas. Every day there'd be a different school, you know. Uh, one day I remember I got to stand in the hallway with Jay Wright so he could watch him shoot baskets because Jay Wright wasn't allowed to talk to him because he was a sophomore. So I'm just sitting there talking with Jay Wright from Villanova and we're just having a conversation and he's just watching Greg shoot baskets. So he knows he's in the building. He stood there for like 15 minutes and then he left. He flew to Syracuse to watch him shoot baskets. Recruiting to me just blows my mind. That is insane. Is he coaching now, right? He's, he's coaching somewhere. I think he's still, Oh, Greg is, he was coaching at Niagara. Okay. I remember he was an assistant at Duke for a little bit. I'm pretty sure. And then I, Maybe he went somewhere. Yeah, else. he was bouncing around, but yeah, he got the. We went he from got closers the, to talking about Greg Paulus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know. People are <laughs> like, all right, they are, they've already logged off now. <laughs> it's a great way to end the show. Um, Greg, anything <laughs> else you would like to promote where people can find you on Twitter, your work for The Athletic, everything else too? Yeah, uh, in season, The Athletic, last year they had my articles on Tuesdays, which was just awful because like every Monday, five guys would go on the IL and I was doing 18 rewrites. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, usually Tuesdays, I got to confirm that with Nando. Um, and then Reliever Recon, I have stuff up every day. And then uh, at G-J-E-W-E-T-T-9 on the old Twitter machine. And, uh, you know, where I do my best to answer what I can. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, pay we the had man that conversation. We mm-hmm. had that conversation before, too. Yeah, like we did. If you ever came on there, it's you'll be like, all right, this is the easiest five bucks I can spend a month. I mean, you go to Dunkin Donuts, you get a coffee. It's what, six bucks? Or like me, or I you go can get, get 30 days of information that just lands in your mailbox for the same price. Yeah, it's again, if you think of a fantasy baseball Patreon, that's the golden standard is reliever recon. Make I sure you guys it. go check out reliever recon. Uh, and check out all Greg's awesome work. Uh, he spends a lot of time with his craft and has a great team there. So uh, get a leg up on your leagues and join Reliever Recon. Uh, as far as for us, Triple Play, uh, we've got our MySpace Top 8, our My Guys episode next week. And we're going to uh, talk about our lottery ticket lab. We all put a lottery ticket on Twitter that we're going to talk about. So you guys can will hear that next week. And then we'll be at our in-season shows the week after that. So a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipe here. But for Greg, for Doc, for a little cheesecake, for Marty Party, I'm the Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys next week.